Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm excited. So am I, actually. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, I've, I've been wanting to get this guy in here since we started this. Yes. Uh, my dear friend, and it, it, there's no real one easy way to describe who he is and what he does. My friend Kevin Kenny has uh, probably worked in most of the Chicago restaurants on the North Shore and sold wine to most of the Chicago restaurants on the North Side and the South Side and the West Side. <laughs> and he is the best read human being I have ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. As well as a, a canny observer of how life has changed with the restaurant landscape in Chicago. Yes. Which now, I mean, if you want to be famous in Chicago, become a chef. Definitely. Um, so we're. If you know, life was a sitcom, Kevin Guinea would be a main character in 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 this sitcom absolutely. Of, uh, of our lives, like yeah. for sure. He'd definitely come in. And like once he'd slide open the door, whatever you do, whatever that set is, the crowd's gonna go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just feel that I have that. I have Kevin that. could have been one of the Bowery Boys. <laughs> he could have been a gangster in one of the Godfather movies. A wacky neighbor. Exactly. <laughs> Explain yourself, sir. Where, where did you come from? You grew up in Brooklyn, right? I did. Carroll Gardens. Wow. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Why did Why did I think you were a Chicago and like no, born I was from and raised? Brooklyn and St. Louis and St. Louis. And Sa- yeah. I knew the St. Louis part. How old were you when you moved to St. Louis? Yeah, well, I moved back and forth. Okay. So you know, okay. was a couple oh, of years here, a couple your years mom there. and, yeah, and, and your my mom dad, and my dad, respectively. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who'd you wind up rooting for baseball was? Oh, Cardinals, Yankees. Oh fuck, the, the teams that win. Oh Jesus! <laughs> he just yeah. named the two worst yeah. teams. Uh, oh God! Well, okay. Well, we're, we're moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, the first time I met you, you were at three aces, mm-hmm. and uh, we started talking, and we just started talking about books that we'd read, and I realized that Kevin had read had read all of the books that I I wished I had actually read yeah. uh, that I haven't gotten to yet you know and uh, it started this kind of fascinating friendship that continued you know through you know my heart surgery and afterwards mm-hmm. and uh, being too poor for cable will do wonders for you is that right yeah <laughs> yeah um, you know my mother taught me how to read when I was four years old you know so. And uh, she did not have a high opinion of television. She thought it was intellectually lazy. And she always made sure we had books and colored pencils and crayons and stuff to draw with. What what age did you start reading at? Yeah, I don't really remember not being able to read. Really? Yeah, it must okay. have been early. A couple of years old, okay. three years old. But were, I, were your I, parents real into books? Or was this just a place you kind of retreat? Uh, you know they're not, but my grandfather was a big reader. Okay, and then I have an, uh, an aunt and uncle who are who are great big readers. You know. Yeah. Well, he's turned me on to some of the best books uh, I've ever read. I'm, yeah. I'm in the middle of reading you know, Street of Crocodiles right now, which mm, wonderful. I'd have never found. You know. Who's that by? Uh, Bruno, Bruno Schulz. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about Bruno Schulz. I don't know much about him. Bruno Schulz was a uh, was a writer and uh, and an artist too, in Poland. Okay. Uh, right before World War II, and it was actually shot by the Nazis in the street. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and, uh, what did Warsaw, he write about? Uh, 
He just writes or, about life in Poland. Like okay. he's, yeah. he's fairly okay. comedic. Uh, yeah. It's it's a little like Kafka. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But for sure. But like with a, a brighter edge on it. Like it, okay. it, it's yeah. a little funnier, more whimsical. Although okay. you, you know it's, Kafka, when I think of the Metamorphosis, like when a guy's mother comes in the room and he's like a bug up on the ceiling, it's actually kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> funny parts, but it, it when you finish reading Bruno Schultz, you don't feel like shit. Kafka, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> You know, the funny thing is, is that uh, I've read accounts of that people said that Kafka was actually very charming and very funny and kind of a cut up at cocktail parties. He was, he was, supposedly. You can't ever kind of square that with what he wrote, you know, The Trial, um, Metamorphosis. The hunger artist, you know, yeah. yeah. That's Newt Hampson. He's bleak, really, really bleak. Yeah. 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 I guess you have to have an Eastern European sense of humor to to really catch all the comedy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. What, what's funny about Kafka? It, it feels a little like Kafka in here. It's a yeah. it's a beautiful day in Chicago, yeah. like one of the best days of the year, and we are sitting in a little and box. We are. <laughs> sitting, sitting in a, in a little room. Here we box. are. Here we are sitting <laughs> yeah. in a soundproof room. Yeah. Um, what are you reading right now? I mean, what are you liking? Uh, you know, I, I I got into those. Uh, um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Uh, Ov Noskod, the the, uh, oh, the yeah the, yeah that, the, the wonder of me books uh, as I call them. <laughs> he's he's gazing into his navel, but man, he's good. He's he's just yeah. a really really good stylist. You know, I've never read one. Uh, there's like five of them now, right? I think the, I think it's seven in my struggle, and then he's doing the seasons books now too. Well, and I, I think he's a. I think they might all be out by now. I don't know. Huh. I also heard somebody option one of those books. No, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's like a literary phenomena. Yeah, like, you know, as much as as much as writing on that level ever is, it's like the girl with the dragon tattoo or something. You know. It's, yeah. It's how com- how common is that? You know, when you have a when you have a best selling book that these like these these deals and these options are just going to come out of sometimes the books or... get optioned and they just never get made. I right. Mean, you know, I don't know how many che- checks that the uh, estate of John uh, Kennedy Tool oh, yeah. has cashed. They they have threatened to make a confederacy of dunces. It, it, it's famously a, a kiss of death. Every every comedian who's involved in that dies. Yeah, you know, can't yeah. Candy Belushi. Yeah. Were, a whole bunch of people were were gonna play Chris Farley. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, um, <laughs> it's were, it's a curse. They that were is a curse. Talking about John Goodman for a while. Yeah, you know, uh, and he's not dead. He's just no, not yet. No. He's yeah. just not no. good he's, acting he's, anymore. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. No, he's uh, he, you know it depends on what you catch. Yeah, him. really, I mean, he really. He can still be very, very good. Yeah, he was uh, great in Roseanne. Barton Fink. He was great he's in fantastic Tremaine. Fantastic in Barton Fink. Yeah, he was great. He was great in in Tremaine. Yeah, uh, Barton Fink. He's got that really subtle menace. Yeah. Him. Oh like, yeah. You know yeah. He, he's he's affable, but like, he, but he can be really scary. He's yeah. great in Fallen. Uh, I loved him in Fallen. Yeah. Man. I just so twisted. Um, and God, he's just such. A, he, yeah. He he is. You he know is this a little movie? It's in Denzel that, Washington and uh, John Goodman. Jimmy with the Gambofini. devil hops and people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I saw it. It was a long time ago. I actually yeah. liked that movie, man. I loved it. I just remember like his last line is like. Fuck you! Yeah. Or Denzel like blows him away, and it's uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but don't, but don't they leave that with like you kind of assume he got away? Um, no. So this is uh he. Well, didn't he jump he into the kills, cat? He kills. Yeah, he kills John Goodman. Uh-huh. He smokes a cigarette with cyanide 
coating on it or something, so he's gonna die. And there's nowhere for this. Isn't uh, that the, the, the same end as the uh, Handmaiden's Tale, or not the Handmaiden's Tale, the Handmaiden? Okay, by the Korean director. Uh, well, in the end yeah. of the Handmaiden. Mm. Does a cat come up at the end? Because there's this like part <laughs> where like Denzel's dead, and they're like, "This is the story of how I almost uh, uh, was was killed." By oh, you're right. You're right. Whatever. I remember. And that. then this cat comes up, and then the sympathy for the devil starts playing or whatever. Yeah, and it's a cool ending, I guess. I actually like that movie yeah. though. It, no, it's a good. It, it's, then, it's cool. It was directed by the same guy who directed Primal Fear, uh, Gregory. Oh, Hoblet. really? Yeah. Who? And we went back literally last night. We were cruising through Amazon. He goes, "Primal Fear." I go, "Dead." You know, I go, "We can find your scene just real quick." He goes, "Okay, let's do it." And we yeah, found, found it. my scene. Did you like the director of that movie? Was he a good Hoblet? Guy? Yeah, yeah. Hoblet was a really good guy. You know, cool. really, you, you know, really. What else did he do besides those who, two Who did movies? you play in Primal Fear? I was a cop at the uh, crime scene. <laughs> well, I knew, I knew you were a cop. <laughs> yeah, I was a cop at the crime scene where, who tells Richard Gere, don't touch anything, don't move anything. If you do, it's my ass. You know? Uh, and sure don't enough, blink, and you sure know? enough, he's yeah. switching up videotapes yeah, yeah, on your ass. Yeah, shit left and right. Because <laughs> I'm downstairs eating a donut and reading a magazine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, someone um, got fired. Uh, speaking of uh, kind of, I, I just to kind of segue here because we're talking about uh, just because um, uh, it's a Max and Tony show. Cops we doing cops, well, cops just you know do just not doing their job correctly. You know, since you just played one in Primal Fear, uh, uh-huh. I just want to say that uh, there is uh, there was something going on. Uh, uh, a couple weeks ago uh, with a bait truck on the south side of Chicago in Inglewood where these cops set up a, a truck. Yeah, they're trying to manufacture arrests. So kids could, you know, uh, Break into lure, it. Yeah. you know, kids, poverty-stricken kids so they can steal these sneakers that are just sitting out there for free and uh, so they can make, uh, as you said, quick arrests. And uh, Is that not entrapment? Uh, oh, you, you bet know, it's entrapment. You, you know, it's, 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 it's government-sanctioned entrapment. It's horseshit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, our our buddies uh, Vic Mensa and and the the Save Money Life Foundation are doing an anti-bait truck. Uh, actually, we're in the same place where uh, where the truck was, which Far is twenty fifty West Fifty Ninth Street. Uh, they're going to be giving out. I'm hearing six thousand to ten thousand pairs of shoes, and uh, that's really cool. I sound like I'm plugging this. I'm really just happy that this is going on. No, and, plug uh, it. I think it's a really good yeah. idea. But you know, uh, you know I th- yeah, it's this Sunday. Come out, donate shoes. I will be on vacation, unfortunately, but I would love to go there and uh, and just uh, see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there. it's it's really kind of a shitty thing to park a tree uh, a a truck full of. Uh, Michael Jordan sneakers in a poverty-stricken neighborhood. Yeah, I, well, I don't know what the sneakers were, but it's whatever you know, they were. It's just you know, yeah. It's it, it's uh, there's a lot of people who argue, well, if they never took it in the first place, it's like, well, you know that as as a as a privileged individual and and understands that there's a consequence yeah. to that. Sure, our, our, maybe you're just dangling it in front of people. Yeah, you know? exactly. Not, yeah, exactly. Our friend, uh, our friend Jerry Boyle, the uh, the street lawyer. Uh, was all over this shit a week ago. You know, I mean, he, he mm-hmm. called these guys out. and Yeah. He's another guy we got to get in here. He's really... I'd, I'd love to have him. Sorry for segueing that, but yeah, we were no just, worries. it just kind of reminded me to bring that up. I want to kind of get yeah. back to... Uh, Kevin, you've seen the Chicago restaurant landscape change like 
tidally in the last 10 years. Yeah, like It's like night and day from what it used to be. What, you know? what, give us a history lesson. What was it like when you first started working in restaurants and selling wine to restaurants here years ago? Yeah, here in Chicago, I moved 14, 15 years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. And it's, it's kind of the same uh, throughout the whole country. But uh, there was this rise of uh, the chef-driven restaurant and chefs as celebrities. Yeah. You know, so you started having cooking shows and the Food Network and all that, and people started knowing their names. If you okay. think about it, like, you know, back in the 80s, there were a few people, you know, you had your Wolfgang Pucks and that. But and most Charlie people, Trotter. And, most and, of the yeah. time it was the restaurant that was famous. Yeah. You know, the, right. the, the chef, nobody knew their name, you know. <laughs> But now it's it's all about the chefs, and that's actually starting to change a little bit away from that now. Do you think that changed with Kitchen Confidential with uh, Anthony Bourdain's? No, book? Bourdain had something to do with that for sure. Yeah. Which is weird because he was never particularly famous for cooking. No, no, he he was he, he cooked in he, a well-regarded restaurant. What but. he said was is that he was a really good cook, but not really a chef. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who could get a good plate of food on your on your table. But he was not like someone like uh, Grant Ackett's or, or mm-hmm. John Hogan or, or Charlie Trotter or, you know, Matt Trost or, or oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Mark Stoyer or Mindy Siegel. Do you think social media kind of gives these, these chefs a name, too? I mean, oh, yeah, I, I feel yeah. like I, oh, when I follow I also these think establishments, the of, I'm the getting to know Yelp. everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. the rise of Yelp, or you know, the invasion of the assholes, as I like to call sure. it. Sure. Like yeah. Yeah. Every dickhead in the world, you know. Well, I'm a Yelp influencer. Fuck you. Yeah, you those know? guys are whack. I I don't like them, but imagine all the restaurants that have you know have have built themselves. At the restaurants we love off of Yelp, and how much that helps them. I I, I think I love Yelp, that. Yelp itself it isn't doing that well, is it? No, not they're, doing well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Boo hoo. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna miss it. I only use it just to get details out of things like do they have uh, takeout? Do they have this? Yeah. Do they have delivery or something? But we only look I, I don't at review. I don't review. Who Even, are these people yeah. that spend all that time writing on Yelp? They're like, I'm not going to sit there and write a page and a half worth of stuff with nobody paying. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's I what remember, I, never I remember being in a barber shop and uh, the barber was like so terrified that. Like he was like, oh, and if you write a Yelp review, man, could you just make it good? He goes, we got a one review that's like, and I, I was like, kind of confused why you just assumed yeah, that I wrote of, Yelp I, reviews. Yeah, I was exactly. like, I know a whole well, bunch of people, people used to be scared of that. Yeah, and yeah. I and I said, dude, dude, dude. I go, not so much. I, I go, I'm not on Yelp. I go, I literally just said this. Like, I go, Yelp's for jagoffs. Yeah, and the whole barber shop erupted in laughter. I was like, I was not trying to get a laugh. I was just trying to calm this guy down. But well, it's this it's, idea that everybody all of a sudden is a fucking critic, you know? Yeah, and knows it, what the hell they're talking no, about. No, and, yeah. and, and people go on that to solely either, you know, raise an establishment or destroy well, it. Destroy and it's it. like, it. yeah, imagine, imagine, and it's more fun to it's more fun to write a bad review. It just it, is. I yeah. bet it you is. Can be, you can be way funnier. Oh, the God, best yeah. critics in the world are the guys who can write just as well about something they wholeheartedly support. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Gold, Miss yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and he, he again, like Anthony Bourdain, was very uh, invested and very interested in make a, making people less afraid of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Jonathan Gold went to every single different kind of restaurant in Los Angeles. Every restaurant know? on Pico Boulevard, from one end to the other. Yeah, yeah, every, uh, yeah. That was a project. <laughs> every every taco has. truck, like little, yeah. little mango stand. Everything, yeah, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 
the one thing we kind of learned when we were in Paris is that the whole culture of dining over there is, uh, you know, going out for dinner there, that's like the night out. I mean, mm. you don't just go out for dinner and then go to, you know, a music show or something like that. I mean, you spend the evening having dinner and commuting and, and talking to your friends. and Yeah, you hang out for three, four hours. Exactly. Yeah. It's And it's a communal kind of experience, you know. It's a familial kind of... Uh, and generally less expensive than Chicago. You know what? You notice a that? Lot I mean, less. You, you can spend a lot of money, but the, the mid-range yeah. restaurants—they're a little cheaper than they are here. Well, you know, Perigo. Oh yeah, Perigo. Para Alta. Perigo's on my you mind. Uh, I started thinking about Perigo during this podcast. Oh I, man, Perigo. I, I, I yeah, because we. Hey, Chris, remember Para Alta as well? We were because t- I mean you were talking about how well uh, uh, Kevin is, uh, how well ready is. It's like we were sitting in Perigo, and I'm sitting, and I have this whole bookshelf. Yeah, uh, I above my head, and he's like, "Oh, he goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah." He goes, "I he's, like, I I haven't seen the French version of that book, or like I just like I've read yeah. this, I've read that." Yeah, he's naming yeah. all these, all these books. You're naming all these books that you've read on the shelf, man. And it's just like one of those things where I'm like, dude, I go, I I, I don't know if I, I if I started today and started reading a book every day, I don't know if I could. We catch, would never. I don't catch think I would ever Kevin. catch him. No, you, we would yeah. not. And I mean, because you know, he's already because he's reading yeah. every day, so it's yeah, it's it's. Uh, you're, you're also a fan. Us. You're also a fan of William Vallman, who I think is a oh, fascinating. Yeah. Who's writer. William Vallman? Explain him. Explain. I, I I read his book about hopping freight trains years ago when I was writing this train. Okay, yeah. He writes fiction and nonfiction. He kind of goes back and forth. Right. Yeah. right. He was a journalist for a long time. In the eighties, he went uh, he went out to Afghanistan and lived in caves with the Mujahideen. Okay. Yeah. M- met Bin Laden back then. Wow. wow. Uh, Whoa. He's a- also kind of nuts. Yeah. He's crazy. Yeah. He, he, yeah. If you're down to just kick it with yeah. Bin Laden for <laughs> a little bit, yeah, I think you're he nuts. Wrote, he wrote a book called Butterfly Girls. I think it was called Butterfly Girls. I might be, I might be misquoting that. Where he went and uh, and lived with sex workers, and uh-huh. actually smoked crack with them to gain their trust. Oh wow! Yeah, he's 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 completely crazy. He's, underco- wrote, he's undercover. He also wrote. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> a history, a history of violence. Uh, he, he wrote a, a, a meditation on violence. Yeah. Called oh, Rising okay. Up and Rising Down. Uh, it's ten volumes. It's huge. Yeah. It's it's a ridiculous thing to do. You know, and, he's, and you have he's to be kind of crazy to try to. do He's that. not an old guy. You know, I mean, what is he? Maybe sixty, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, wow. this is a guy. He's, he's who's, not. He's not old, old. And he's and he's on top of it. He's a marvelous writer. I mean, yeah, you start reading him, and you would just turn the pages. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He won the uh, National Book Award a few years ago for a book called uh, Europe Central. Europe yeah. Central. Yeah. Okay. Which you graciously yeah. gifted to me. I'm going to bring with me on vacation. Well, you know, when when we were in Paris, I was reading a book you gave me, uh, Witchcraft Street. Yeah. Which which is wonderful, and it was great yeah. to read while you're in Paris because you're yep. walking down the streets. Yeah, yeah. You know where else is a, a um, marvelous book about Paris is uh, down and out in London and Paris. Oh, the yeah. Orwell book. Yeah. I mean, that's well, that's the that's great, the one Bourdain yeah. always said uh, made him want to write. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love that book. I love. Uh, I, I found this writer named John Baxter who writes these books about taking walks in Paris. Um. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing Paris definitely reignites in you is the bibliophile, you know, the person mm-hmm. who loves books. They're revered over there. You know, every bistro we went into, they had bookshelves. Well, yeah. and every great and writer, every great writer lived there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true, them. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, 
what are your favorite books? I mean, if you have like a top five just off the top of your head that you've read, say, in the last 10 years. I don't want to give you the top five of all time. That's that's just a little hard to. Yeah, I, I always say Gravity's off. Rainbow, but yeah. you don't like Finch as much as I do. I, I'm, you know, I'm. I find him really hard to follow. You know, it's he is like sometimes. it might come yeah. down to like maybe I'm just not smart enough to read Thomas Finch. Nah, I don't. I don't <laughs> think it's that. I don't yeah. think it's that. That that uh, and against the day by him were both really, really, really wonderful. Uh, what if I read? Are you David? oh twenty six sixty six of course oh we yeah love that yeah yeah it's fantastic and the savage you know detective. what I'm pretty convinced it's not one book though no we that's think, yeah, yeah that's a, I think that's it's a, a thing. few books that yeah. got that got grafted together it, it was supposed to be published as uh, as I think it was three books maybe four that's what I thought where it's uh, they were going to release one every couple of years so it. They would be bringing in money until his kids were out of college. Yeah, because he like it's, he, it was actually set up on a, on a he, time frame. He died before he died while the book was in galleys. Which, okay, and yeah, he just barely finished it, and he knew he was dying. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the most defenseless thing in the world is a galley proof without the author being alive. It's uh, yeah. And then you know they published it as one book, and sure enough, man, uh, within three months it became a cultural fetish object. Hmm. Um, it was it was a big release when that came so out. Like was, everybody knew that was going to be the book. Yeah, and yeah. was it a weird blessing in disguise that that it that it came about that way, or is, or do you think it made people there curious enough else? to read it? And okay. the the stories in twenty six sixty six the 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 part of the book that's about the femicides, you know the mm. the. The, the murders of the women are the, just... The, the, the part about the murders is what they call Horrifying, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it you know it's St. Teresa, but it's actually Juarez, you know. Um, it echoes this horrid gift that we kind of gave Mexico with the NAFTA uh, oh, man. treaty, you know. And it created this whole generation of people working 50 and 60 hours a week for 40 and 50 dollars and the drug trade's no small part of that absolutely mm-hmm. and and you know uh, and everybody's in it La the Cineola cartel uh, La Linnea uh, Los Rebeldes um, you know and uh, Bologna did a very good job of taking this kind of huge kind of overview of it and finding the 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 absolute human element in it. And, and, you know, at the same time I was reading the Charles Bowden books, uh, which Murder City, which was about Juarez. And they're an interesting kind of corollary to 2666. Mm-hmm. Because 2666, all of a sudden you're with the Germans, you know, and it's like, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I, I really think it was one of the, one of the most brilliant and horrifying and yeah, not sad. not easy to make it through. The I no, got to the part no. about the murders a couple times, and you know and had to put it down. I had to know, put it and, down yeah. twice before I finally finished it. Yeah, it's and a doorstop too. It's, exactly, it's like Harlot's Ghost or one of those books. Yeah. Everybody's bought it, nobody's read it. You know, <laughs> Ulysses. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I've never read Ulysses. You don't have to. You just you you buy a copy of Ulysses. Yeah. And you flip to like the last fifteen pages, yeah. And the Molly Bloom soliloquy—the best part of the whole book. 
Okay. Yeah, and then that just tell, Bloom, tell, tell people you read it. You read the end. <laughs> on Bloomsbury Day. You yeah. Go, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I read it. You know. <laughs> um, but back to the uh, the restaurant scene here. Um, I I think that so. We came out with this whole chef-driven restaurant thing, and now I kind of see it moving away from them. All the newer restaurants opening, especially the big groups, yeah. aren't really latching on or really promoting the chefs anymore because if you you have a restaurant dependent on this one person. Mm-hmm. So if the one person yeah. leaves, you know, Grace or something like that, yeah. you know. Uh, huh. not, not, that, not that they shouldn't have. I don't want to get into the politics of that. But uh, if, if one person leaves, then... The restaurant goes. Yeah, but if you build I, I, the restaurant as a restaurant, then you know you could put whoever back there. Yeah. Well, I think I think like uh, the one-off group, Donald Medea and Paul Kahn and Terry Alexander and mm. Ed, Eduardo Satan. I think those guys have done a marvelous job of of. of yeah, you you can you can get different chefs and, and the restaurant still goes precisely. On. Yeah. And you know what? And yeah. and. Uh, there's Which I, I, I think there's, I think there's, there's not some a bum value. in the bunch. All those yeah. restaurants are good. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, we ate at Blackbird on Saturday night. And so good. I just had one of the greatest meals I've ever had. Well, then at the end of the day, all of these celebrity chefs and all that, none of them cook. Not yeah, anymore. You know, no. I, yeah, I mean, they, none of those <laughs> they guys just yell at the well, line cooks. <laughs> yeah, none of those guys has been on the line in right, in, right. in fifteen twenty yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that, that's the funniest thing about yeah. it. It's I don't, like they, they they come up with the recipes and then they yeah. uh, you know they show the line cooks how to cook it. I, who who's this? Is it uh, Gordon Ramsay? Who's the guy who yells at everybody and oh, makes yeah. everyone? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know why. It's just like that's what I picture is like a professional chef. Now I can't help. Obviously, I look at I look at guys like John Hogan and and. Um, it's not it's not like that as much but it did used to be that way yeah yeah when i first started yeah. out like the the head chef just yelled at everybody That's, like and that was, I gotta, that was I just what tell you did. something i think so i think insane. john hogan is without a doubt the most underrated chef in chicago no oh, yeah, he's good yeah i mean he's he's one of the granddaddies who, all these guys who, who, who was the chef at three aces matt last name truce truce he was awesome um matt from mary john uh, Mike Simmons. Mike. Yeah. Jesus. Why did I call him Matt? He's great. Then Trevor. I'll, I'll plug Matt's new place. It's Good Measure over on Chicago. The cool. old, really? The old uh, Bistro Voltaire place. Oh, man. Cool. Then, I want to check that out. Then we got that, that kid over at Rootstock, Trevor, uh, yeah. who's just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The new guy they got yeah, over there? Yeah. yeah he's, he's really good. He's that great. burger and the and the one that Mike makes at Mary Jean, they should have yeah. a rivalry. They, they like... Uh, you know How, what? They don't have to. They're no, good neighbors. I, obviously, yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to start anything. Well, they, there's, the, there's, there's the a little bit of common types. ownership. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying they got to have a burger rivalry thing where they just you know where they just throw down one night. Yeah, and, throw down. Yeah. Rent a wrestling ring, throw a bunch of burgers in there, and. Uh, you know, we'll we'll just eat them in the ring. You know, it won't be an actual fight. Okay, all right. And then we'll Max. take a vote. Max, his his middle name is Ideas. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? I hope no one from Rootstock or Mary Jean heard that. Oh, by the way, <laughs> um, our associate Yulia Kuznetsova uh, got her O one visa to become an American citizen and get. Apply for a green card. Awesome. And she's decided that besides becoming an American, she's going to be a Chicagoan. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I mentored her and taught her some useful phrases in Chicago in order to navigate day-to-day life. And this segment is called 
teaching Yulia how to speak Chicago. Hi, this is Tony Fitzpatrick from the Max and Tony Show. As you know, we're sponsoring our friend Yulia Kuznetsova for citizenship. She just received her O-1 visa to stay in America and apply for a green card. She plans on becoming a Chicagoan as well as an American. I thought, as her mentor, I would teach her how to speak a certain kind of Chicago language to make life easier and to make her fit in completely inconspicuously. Yulia, what do you say to someone when they're bothering you? Step off dipshit or you'll be wearing your ass for a hat. Very good, very good. And Yulia, when you catch someone committing the cardinal sin of putting ketchup on a hot dog, what do you tell them? You know who puts ketchup on hot dogs? Jagoffs, deep shits, and whistle dicks. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. Or if someone is keeping you waiting in a restroom. Whoa! TikTok asshole, let's go. What are you doing in there? Punching the clown? Very good. Or if you're standing around on a street corner or having a drink at a bar and somebody's talking shit. Zip it, asswipe, or I'll hit you so fucking hard. Your kids will be dizzy. Okay. You're learning quickly. Okay, now say you go into a restaurant and the ladies' room is not equipped the way it should be. What do you tell the proprietor? Hey, bozo, you're all out of shit tickets in the ladies' room. Get your head out of your ass and make with the banwat. Very good. This was helping Yulia become a Chicagoan. I'm Tony Fitzpatrick from the Max and Tony Show. Hey, don't thank me. I'm a public servant. And yeah, uh, well, Yulia is uh, well on her way learning. to becoming a, a, a Chicago uh, treasure. Wow. She has a show opening up at the Dime September 7th, uh, and it's a, it's a knockout show. Yeah, and there will be a show at Adventureland as well. Jet, uh, Levant, Jet Levant. Inside my mind. So we're going to have two shows, and it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Free beer. Pet friendly. Easy parking. Easy parking. That's what you always say when you're in a shitty neighborhood. <laughs> Easy parking. <laughs> Plenty of parking. Yeah. Is that going to change with all the condos going up over Man, there? Man, I, I, I was thinking you. about that the other day. It's, it's always park easy park. parking at Adventureland. What new condos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all of a sudden it's like I'm surrounded by, you know, fucking white people. You know, it's like. <laughs> Says the, says the white guy. Says the, the whitest the guy you've ever met. With the Hawaiian t-shirt on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it says the whitest guy you've ever met. No, but I mean, uh, I have a feeling they're going to fuck up a perfectly good bad neighborhood again. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, it's already kind of, it's already going. Yeah. I mean, our, our, our part of that neighborhood is, is already kind of gone with Adventureland. I mean, that's safe. You I know, could, I'd walk down that, that's, that part of the street at yeah. any time at night now. I moved over there when I first moved to Chicago, and everybody kept saying that the Wicker Park wave was going to 
cross Western, but it, it hasn't really. It hasn't crossed uh, Western no. yet. No, Not yet. really. A it's little, so weird. It's little. reached Western yeah. and North. I mean, there's some fancy kind of stops at I think, I think it's they're stops, afraid like, to go west the, of the flags. Like, yeah, like yeah, you can yeah. walk halfway down that block, you see a good coffee shop. You, but I mean, you that was like 12 things. years ago. People were talking yeah. about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been slow. I remember five years ago. I I just said I I'd walk down that part of Western. Five years ago, I don't think I would. Yeah, I or mean, eight, we live eight years ago. I for sure wouldn't. We now live in East Humboldt Park. Yeah, yeah. And let me tell you, things get very lively over there <laughs> yeah. at night. Oh you know? God, yeah. There was like Humboldt this... Park is a beautiful park. One of the best. Oh, ones in the yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, I that, love that place. Is beautiful, and and the dogs. That's, I love that's the an neighborhood thing man. for them. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but uh, yeah, things get very, very lively uh, at night. So yeah. we're, oh. you know, there was a big scuffle outside of our outside. Yeah, of our there place. was a scuffle. Cur- a there yeah. were nine yeah. squad cars. Yeah, you know? For, yeah, that was odd. So anyway, um, so what else do you see happening in Chicago restaurant wise? I've noticed a lot more wine places, and you being a wine purveyor. What, what yeah, man. Americans Americans drink wine now. I mean, that's that's been in my lifetime. Yeah, the the, the percentage of wine it, it keeps going up. Uh, there are more wine bars than regular bars yeah. really now. They've been regular bars have wine. Yeah, even even uh even little dirt bag bars on the corner. Yeah, that I love yeah. All yeah. Have, have at least a couple of glasses, a red and a white. You know. How do you, what, what do you attribute that to? I, I'm not really sure what what uh, what the rise of wine or where that all comes from. I think in part it's part of the restaurant culture, obviously. It, there's there's some of that, and then there's also just domestic production going up so much. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. I mean, we we, well, we drink Portland, California, California wine. Yeah. yeah, I think we're getting more Oregon. comfortable with saying we like drinking wine too. I think as Americans, you know, there was like this certain yeah. idea that you know wine was for intellectuals or even or effeminate. Yeah, yeah, effeminate. I think That's people um, so much anymore. Yeah, I think people yeah, also got really sick of hard liquor. Oh my God! You know I, well, what I mean? it, bourbon and I scotch and wine was and taking a shift. All these NBA players are drinking it now. That's like yeah. their drink of choice. I'm like, okay, so this is this it's is, a class signifier too. Yeah. Like, I oh mean, yeah. It, yeah. Oh yeah. It, it can be very expensive, but it doesn't have to be. No, no, no. I, like in Paris, it's a there, lot of there great, were great all these cheap wine. Great, really great wines. Well, for, they're, they're not know, paying the 10, taxes. Twelve on bucks. It. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and I don't think that wine would be. Cheap here? No, no. They would definitely price that. Well, up. when you ask them, well, can you get this in the states? It's like we don't send this to the states. <laughs> we, don't, we don't send you. This is really good. Yeah. You know. Well, and and you have all the houses that make wine, and uh, not all of them, but but most of them that make wine in France. Uh, the land's bought and paid for. Yeah, know, 100, 200 years back. So yeah. it, it just it lowers the cost of production. Hmm. So if you're inheriting your estate, it's not that expensive to make wine. So do me a favor, man. We're almost out of time, but I want you to promise us that you'll come back and be our wine consultant and connoisseur. (laughs) Absolutely. And books as well. And my public service announcement, while it's still hot, don't leave your wine in the car. Don't leave your wine in the car. you got to treat it like ice cream. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a big sign in one of my accounts. <laughs> I mean, one of, one of the things that you're always saying is that Americans drink red too warm and white's too cold. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had, I had, uh, I just had uh, uh, some some uh, questions here. Uh, I, I'm getting very into plays these days, Kevin, and I need to know your favorite playwright or maybe your favorite play that I could read because I'm trying to read as many as I can. Do you have one? Not right off the top of my head. I, <laughs> okay, I, I, cool. li- I like, I like Stop. It was a, I, I, okay. you know, I, but yeah, not, it was not an on the spot question, man. Sorry, I, I just it just randomly yeah. popped up in my head. I've been getting well, been, a bunch of that. You've been stuff. reading a lot of good stuff, though. You've been reading Lanford Wilson. Well, that's and... mainly who I've been reading, and then I've been reading stuff for my class, which is it's good, you yeah. know. It's but um, the I I picked Lanford Wilson because I saw it was so weird. You were like Balm and Gilead was the reason I wanted to become an yeah. actor. Balm and Gillian was the reason that I actually thought plays can be good. It made Amen. Me see that because Amen, you know, man. every and every, he, you know, about eight years later, he became one of my collectors. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and uh, was a cool guy. I had the most wonderful moment with Lanford Wilson and Edward Albee in the same room. Forgive me, who's Edward Albee? He wrote the Zoo Story. And okay, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh, and, yeah. oh, Jesus! Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the yeah. one of the okay. kind of godfathers of American right, theater. Right, right. Raymond Chandler wrote plays too. Yeah, yeah so, I, so, so here we are. I got to look more into that. We've got actually. these two famous playwrights. I had a show up in New York, uh, my Mardi Gras show uh, at Kevin Morris Gallery, and Lanford was an old friend of the gallery, so he's sitting behind the desk reading the paper. And Edward Albee's out there, and I, I, I walked up and I said, "You know, Mr. Albee, I became an actor in part because I, I so loved the zoo story, and you know." And he couldn't have been more gracious or more kind or more complimentary. And uh, But I noticed, you know, Lanford never moved from behind the desk in the back of uh, Kevin Morris' gallery. So Albie, you know, walks around a little more, and then he leaves. And I walk back behind the desk, and I said, Lanford, did you see who was out there? He said, Edward Albee was out there. And Lanford Wilson, who was flush with the success of Burnness, it had just, you know, kind of yeah. torn up Broadway and stuff. Doesn't even look up from his paper, and he goes, "Oh, he's finished." <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> um, but it, it was kind of one of these amazing moments when worlds collide. You yeah, know? It's like yeah. Mm. Two of the greatest American playwrights ever, um, you know, in the same room, and you know, not a word passes between them. You know, it was kind of strange. No, that's interesting because you've told me a couple similar stories about about two like guys just being yeah. in the same room and not. Fully yeah, acknowledging exactly. each other. That's very weird. Yeah. Alpha thing or something. Drama. Drama, my yeah. friend. <laughs> so, Kevin, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Promise oh. us you'll come back. Consult us on literature, on wine, on restaurants. You Absolutely. are now life. Absolutely. You are now a correspondent for the Max and Tony show. Well, if yeah. the Max and Tony show again was a sitcom, he he is a he is a character Absolutely. that's on the show every day. Absolutely. You know. Wacky neighbor. Yeah, he's part of so, our wacky neighbor, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and then part got... of our mishpuka. He is a consigliere. He is an yeah. advisor. He oh, is... yeah. Um, consigliere. That's that's the exactly. That's, that's the best one. I yeah. like that one. I like yeah. Kevin is a wartime Tom Hagen. consigliere. My <laughs> he's the Tom Hagen of the. Yes. All right. Well, All thank right, you, kid, Kevin. Take us out, and I'll take us out. Yes. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 48th episode, sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. 
Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. We are currently showing A Gift from Elaine by Saja Washington. Want to catch up on old episodes? Have any burning questions to ask Max or Tony? Then go to themaxandtonyshow.com and then tune in next time for our 49th episode. <laughs>